What did you guys eat for breakfast? Uh, this morning I had oatmeal and grapes. Yeah, I had I had oatmeal also. As as did I. Really? I did. Dang, McNary, did you have oatmeal? Tell us you had oatmeal. Oh, I actually had oatmeal. My bowl's like right back there. Yes! <laughs> That's four. All four of us. That's yeah, excellent. dude, it was freaking awesome too. I made some good oatmeal. <laughs> Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 105. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. If you enjoy the podcast, there are a couple of ways you can show your support. Go to the store at store.musiconyourownterms.com and buy some merch. And at the same time, sign up for the mailing list to stay connected. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to get extra content you won't find anywhere else. And finally, head over to Podcast Magazine's website at podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50 and vote for Music on Your Own Terms in their Hot 50 monthly chart. This episode, I talked to Jonathan McNary, Jonathan Moore, and McCall Ragland about their baby, Fiction Theory. We met the two Jonathans back in episode 74 with Gary McGrath, and also in episode 101, which itself was spawned out of this very interview. McCall shares how he got into music, and his perspective on what it means to be an artist, whether that be musical or visual. We also learn how the guys have been writing songs, a little about the recording process, and how they share responsibilities in the marketing of the band. So let's get stuck into the conversation then. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by the band Fiction Theory. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing all right. Doing really well. Thanks. Awesome. So yeah, we've got uh, Jonathan McNair and Jonathan Moore, who we saw in episode or we heard from in episode 74 with Gary McGrath. And obviously, we found out that Jonathan McNair is also in Remain in episode 61. So uh, who else have we got on the call today? Uh, My name is McCall Raglan. So I'm the songwriter and vocalist and i play a little bit of guitar awesome nice to meet you um so yeah uh jump in whoever wants to go first tell me about what fiction theory is all about what you guys sound like and then we'll go on from there it's a loaded question it is a loaded question <laughs> are we gonna play rock yeah. paper scissors for this no nah, man Nicole, <laughs> you're up we've been on, i've we've been on this before it's all you okay <laughs> um gosh so um yeah, so I was a, I was a music uh, composition major at DBU, and um, I think about a year into that, a year and a half into my degree, um, I approached Jonathan Moore to see if he wanted to start up a band with me because, you know, I was writing a bunch of music while I was there and wanted to, you know, I think the ultimate goal for going to school for music was, you know, to start a band. Um mm-hmm. And Jonathan Moore and I actually met, I think like, I don't remember how many years before, it was maybe like three or four, something yeah, like that. But, so. but both of his, uh, both of our parents, our dads worked together. Okay. I met him, you know, back, I guess it was whenever I was in my early college, I think is yeah, whenever yeah, that it was. Right. Yeah. So <sighs> our dads that? decided that we, yeah, our dads decided that we needed to be friends. Like I literally received a call <laughs> from my dad and he was like, Hey, you need to call this guy. It's like okay, so I did, and now here we are. Yeah, so that that was our that was our first uh, collaboration together. I went over to to his house one night, and I brought a bunch of folk songs, and then he had like this giant prog rock drum kit, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you guys meet at a Dream Theater concert? 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely not. If only. Yeah, to I mean to kind of talk I guess a little bit about the sound of fiction theory. It it is very heavily based on. I mean, McNary has absolutely added a lot of his own style, but in its initial kind of iterations, a lot of what fiction theory was kind of driven by is my progressive rock background meeting Mm -hmm. McCall's singer songwriter kind of almost like indie like that that like almost the complete opposite end of the musical spectrum somehow we didn't stop to think whether or not it was even possible for a few memories of conversations like that Okay, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, Flying Colors is kind of a singer-songwriter pop thing with very heavy uh, progressive leanings. So this is true. true. So I guess it's not without precedent. It's no. just it's definitely not the norm. So, but but yeah, I mean, like it 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 took us a while. Um, but then yeah, we we just kind of kept at it and kept going and yeah. So so Moore and I we we I guess founded the band. Mm-hmm. And I think it probably took about six or so months before we found McNary. Okay. And we had, I think, I don't remember. I think we had like one other guitarist that we tried out, but that was very Did you short. really? Yeah, it was very short lived. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was another music major at uh, DBU. Um, oh, for this actually. Yeah, yeah, it was I, very short lived. I remember that. Um, yeah, I did not know about this. Yeah, <laughs> there was one before you. Um, <laughs> and then. I guess we've been tasked with like the eternal quest of finding a bassist. It's true. That's that's been particularly difficult. And oh, yeah, so, it's, it's been great. so, am I right in saying, uh, Jonathan McNary, you were in you found this band first, and then you joined uh, Gary McGrath's band because of of more? Was that? If yeah, I remember that's rightly exactly from, what happened. Yeah, I yep. think you alluded to that in the previous episode. So that right. that's that's awesome. Um, so how how long have you been a full? you know, four-piece band since you found the bass player? I like to think of us as three and a half. <laughs> yeah, he just moved down to Houston. Um, oh. So we no longer have a bass player. Uh-oh. So we're trying to figure out how to incorporate that into shows, and we got something in the works, which is kind of cool. Hopefully it works out. But yeah, I mean, he, I would definitely say three and a half. I mean, I would say four, because he incorporated a lot of his voice onto our music, and mm. it it would not be where it is now without his bass parts. Definitely. Um, oh, and by, by him, we're referring to yeah. Jonah Trachtman. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I met him. <laughs> Everything's kind of intertwined. So I met him because McCall has a friend named Evan and he was in a band with Jonah Trackman. And I found out that Jonah owned a house venue up here in Denton. So originally I just kind of reached out to him because, you know, we wanted to play a show and he had a house venue. So I was like, okay, let's make something happen. And then we found out he played bass and is still probably one of the best bass players that I've met personally and just best overall musician. Nice. Um, so couldn't really thank him enough for everything he added to our music. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we were four, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Then, then, then there were three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so McCall, so we haven't, we haven't uh, heard from you yet as far as uh, what your background is. So how did you get into music in the first place? I, I guess I first had like a intro. Whenever I was really young, like I started doing visual arts, and mm-hmm. and so like I think just art in general was something that I was always interested in. And my brother started getting into music. He, he's about six years older than me, and um, I think that was kind of like the the kind of like determining factor that kind of you know really kind of sparked my curiosity about music. But I, I think like for me like the driving force for you know like why i write the kind of music i write like it's very lyric centric i would say mm-hmm. like very very you know focused on like narratives and telling stories and i don't know i've just always kind of found music to be a very effective platform to be able to talk about ideas in a way that because it's kind of funny because you know like people consume music first by like the actual, like the tune that it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you get lucky, you might find that hidden inside of all of that is like something that's actually worthwhile, you know, that somebody's trying to say. And so, yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of always been like the main appeal for me that you can kind of do that with, with music, you know, you can kind of 
um, convey ideas to a lot of people um, that wouldn't, I guess, normally be like exposed, or maybe they didn't know that they were interested in ideas like that. But because it's packaged such that, you know, it's a type of music that they would consume, you know, mm. they get that. Absolutely. Was there any specific, uh, you know, singer or artist in general that kind of piqued your interest enough to say, oh, I, I want to do that? Or is it just kind of like osmosis because your brother was? No, I think like, I think so, like the genesis of that sort of perspective that I just illustrated with music, I think I listened to like a lot of Blink-182 whenever I was in middle school. And then I found Angels mm-hmm. and Airwaves. And I think that was like the first time that it clicked for me. I was like, oh, there's like actually something of substance being talked about, you know, inside of this medium. And so, um, granted, like I've wandered very far away from that style of music. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of like the, the initial cause of it. Fantastic. So John, so McNary and Moore, uh, I, I don't, I don't usually like using people's last names to reference them, but I think you, you've already illustrated you kind of We're need used to. to it. You're the only two Jonathans yep, in the yeah, band. Yep. So as long as you don't get a bass player called Jonathan, you should be good. Um, but I, I can <laughs> well, definitely see a, yeah. a really funny um, funny merch thing with Thing 1, Thing 2 going on there at some point in the future. Um, but how, how does this band differ in terms of its uh, dynamics and how stuff's written to Gary's band? Like, I, I would imagine Gary's kind of more the, the leader Whereas this is more of a collective, is that is that fair to say? Uh, I mean, kind hmm. in in ways for sure. Um, so, like with uh, with the McGrath project, there's still a lot of room that Gary leaves for. Um, I would say like individual voicing on mm-hmm. our instruments and on our parts. So yeah. my parts and like McNary's parts. Our parts are our own um, whenever we start kind of layering and adding our own touch and feel to those songs where our creative input uh, doesn't uh, really show up in the McGrath project, but does tremendously show up here mm. in fiction theory is in the actual like core of the song. So whenever it sure. starts getting into stuff like structure and dynamics, you know, a, a lot of that is kind of baked into some of the the demos that McCall will bring to us. But there have also been some songs where as soon as soon as he brought it to us and I commend (laughs) McCall for, you know, trusting the band with this kind of stuff. But um, like he'll come in with something that sounds like very bluegrass and very, you know, just kind of very chill, very calm. And then we'll be like metal. We're (laughs) taking this like the complete opposite direction. (laughs) So it's almost like the between them buried buried and me breakdowns or dream theaters breakdowns where they go into a like a you know a ragtime riff and then they go back into metal <laughs> yeah that's yeah, that's exactly. your three bars you get for that and then we'll go back doing what we were doing yeah exactly yeah. like we, we give homage to this some point. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic so um were you writing a lot before um everybody shut down or have you been doing it mostly during during the lockdown well so yeah i mean like we I I joined in May. Okay, uh, they had already had May of uh, wanna, last year, uh, not not this year. Okay, twenty was it twenty nineteen or was it twenty? It was twenty nineteen. Yeah. It was not twenty twenty. Um, it, it was twenty eighteen. <laughs> I was thinking of. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we were writing a lot. Like we've had the songs that we're getting ready to release. We've had the majority of them for a long time now. I would say, mm. McCall. <laughs> we have a whiteboard in our studio. And we came in one day after kind of like Corona was kind of starting to settle down a little bit, like enough for us to feel comfortable getting back together and writing again. Uh, we walk in and there's just a list of like 20 something songs that he's like, okay, so let's just start writing, I guess. <laughs> um, so definitely, it definitely has ramped up a lot, but um, yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of this stuff for a while. So, And I definitely would Listen. say that, you know, I would say it all, it, I could be wrong on the math, but it certainly feels like the bulk of the time that we've spent um, with our music during COVID has been like recording, getting all of that, oh, done, sure. you know, because we can't, it's, it's, it's difficult to go out and play shows, you know, um, oh, streaming yeah. that has its own set of challenges to it. 
So, you know, we just figured, you know, why not, why not go ahead and get our, our stuff recorded? We're planning on doing that anyways. And, and honestly, sure. in a lot of respects, I think that, you know, it, it's been nice to be able to really put a hundred percent of our time and effort and our focus into recording as opposed to trying to do that all while juggling, you know, writing more content, you know, booking gigs and stuff like that, because it's a, and, and I'm sure both Jonathan's will have some insight on this, but I can only imagine, you know, um, it, it's a very different recording process than what they've done with the McGrath project, you know, versus this mm-hmm. one. I would imagine it's much more time consuming uh, for a lot of reasons. If they want to elaborate on that, I'll let them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, again, it kind of comes back to just the level of involvement that we have with the tracks, you know, yeah. there's whenever I go in and record with, you know, some of the other bands that I'm in, I'm, I'm just the drummer. So all, all I do is I just come in, I hit things, I count to four a bunch and then <laughs> I go home. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, whereas here I spend the entire day at the studio and I'm there, you know, being a third or fourth voice um, on like, okay, does, how, how is this take on this instrument? Do we need to add a layer here? Do we need to double this? What do we think of this effect? So yeah, it's just, a lot more it's a lot more involvement whenever it's your own band that like you are one of the founding members of sure. absolutely and, yeah so that just kind of lends itself to more time and more effort mm. yeah i mean it's a it's a lot more personal really i mean like it's i remember like i mean i my first time being in a studio i was nervous and you know i think it's expected but i mean you can ask them like i was talking to them the night before we went in to record for the first day like i was i did not sleep <laughs> i was like this has to be perfect i'm trying to think of everything that could go wrong um and yeah there's just so much there's so much of a higher level of involvement like much higher it's just different i mean there's just different recording processes you know but right do do you think that um because of covid and the fact that you've had more time to kind of dwell on the mixes and the and the embellishments do you think that may be a detriment in terms of you know getting stuff done because i know a lot of people if they have the time to to mess with it they're like oh i gotta fix this tweak this and it just never ends up being finished i i think honestly we've been very conscientious of that boundary mm-hmm we're so desperate to get something out. Like right. we're all just so excited for people to hear our music. <laughs> yeah. And I could be wrong about this, but you know, I'm, I'm a huge perfectionist, particularly whenever it comes to the, the songwriting uh, mm-hmm. portion of things. Like I, I want to make sure that every lyric is as polished as it can possibly be that, you know, that this is certainly the best chord that I can put with this and all of that. It, because I'll, I'll work on songs for, I'll write songs in 30 minutes or it'll take me two years to write a song. It's just, it's like flipping a coin. Right. And, and so, and I don't see that level of perfectionism where it's overbearing and, and it, you hit diminishing returns, which, right. you know, I, I think that we've done a really good job of kind of being mindful of that boundary line. So, yeah. Awesome. What are your, generally, what are your lyrics about? Are they, are they very um, esoteric or are they very literal? Usually they're, they're pretty literal, I would say, at least like the content that like my, the band covers. I write a lot about people, either myself, Mm -hmm. friends, relationships that I've had. I've done projects that maybe this band might get to at one point down the road, but Mm -hmm. whenever I was in... I, every once in a while, I'll go off and just write something that's just totally in another world. Uh, I, I, a few years ago, I wrote a, a a choral rock song set in space. It's all like psychedelic, really nice. dramatic harmony, tons of modulations. And so, in, in, and in that regard, it's just totally fantasy, right? There isn't anything, you know other than painting a beautiful picture, there's nothing I'm really trying to say. Um, But as far as like the content that we have here, it's, it's usually pretty literal or at least alluding to something um, Mm. that's personal, that means something to me. Um, I'm not very interested in, in music that doesn't have that sort of um, uh, depth to it. Yeah. Cool. 
so what are your plans going forward? How how long till we see something come out and then you know what 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 are your plans as far as release strategies go? It's the million dollar question. I hope it's the million dollar question. Um, <laughs> For real, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we haven't thought about it at all. Yeah. <laughs> so no, we um okay, honestly we're we're still figuring out exactly like the 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 timeline for all of this our goal is to have our first single released um in the next month mm-hmm. yeah i'll go ahead and say that uh, <laughs> uh but yeah that no, is the plan that that is the plan um so yeah but our so first single and then after that the the goal is basically to try and release a song um every month or so after that like we're we're just you know we're we're trying to get stuff out and get content out there that also kind of forces us to be writing and be you know working together um hopefully that starts generating some kind of a buzz (laughs) right uh you know with the with the amount of um friends that we all have that are in the business and in various scenes in a handful of different cities around here Mm -hmm. um, we're already um set to play um at least one show um, and then, you know, there's, there's absolutely potential for, for more coming down the pipe. So excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's actually a well-timed question. You know, what is the plan? Because we're right at kind of the pivot point where we're wrapping up post-production of the singles that we've gone in and really, and recorded. Um, so now we're starting to kind of talk about that pivot point where now we're starting to distribute and go out and try and play where it's responsible and safe to do so right all that kind of stuff cool what do you what do you guys think about what's what the uh, scene's gonna look like and how long do do you ever feel that we're gonna get back to the norm or what's what's your what's your predictions uh i mean i that's hard i think will it get back to the norm i think think so uh what i'm more interested to see is how many doors this has actually opened up as far as accessibility to play i think that's what we're going to see more of uh it'll be interesting to see if people are actually going to pay like hundreds of dollars for tickets for like virtual concerts and stuff Mm -hmm. but i think one thing we've kind of noticed throughout COVID is that the world kind of got a little bit smaller yep um and it's become much more accessible so will things go back to normal i would say i i would hope so i think they will um, but again, I think the accessibility has gotten bigger and I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think a lot of it, a lot of the particulars will definitely look different for the next year, at least, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the venues that I will personally feel comfortable playing are going to be the ones that are either outdoors or the ones that are big enough that kind of allow people to have their own space. Sure. Um, which I, you know, it hurts me to say that because like a few months before COVID, I went to a periphery concert and, you know, those concerts, especially like so much of the energy comes from being shoulder to shoulder with people just going nuts. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see. I, I, that's, that's actually kind of interesting. Different genres, I think will get impacted in different Mm -hmm. ways because I could 100% see metal concerts going to look very different for quite a while whereas something that's perhaps a little bit more um i mean i'm not i mean gentle is probably the wrong word but you know stuff dream pop shoegaze type stuff yeah yeah stuff like that where it's just kind of you know you're you're chilling you're vibing the whole time and you know everybody's just kind of calm and you know just there to to kind of groove that that will probably that i could see getting more to a state of normalcy um, a lot sooner. Yeah, I mean, I've been to uh, I've been to the uh, Guitar Sanctuary up in um, McKinney several times mm-hmm. for clinics, and and a lot of times you'll you'll go to those things, and it's it's all sit down, um, especially clinics, but you know, just ge- general shows that are like jazz or more, you know, a bit more technical. People are there to, you know, they're there to enjoy the music, but they're also there to kind of study almost, and it's more of that kind of evening at the tables and, and, you know, but like you said, the mosh pit will not be the same. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I I would honestly say that I believe local bands will get hit the hardest, mm. um, especially in Denton. Uh, I mean, I'm sure like many places, but just because I'm here, I would say Denton because a huge part of the scene is house venues, and there's sure. not really not really a way to conduct that safely because uh, there's not much space inside of like a living room, <laughs> right? So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how local venues kind of pick up on that and how they maintain social distancing, but then also how, you know, local bands find other ways of performing, whether that is at a house or whatever it may be. But I think, I think that local bands are going to get hit pretty hard with this for a little bit. Of, I mean, for a while. Mm, yeah, Totally. I think I'm going to switch to my non quick fire question round for, for uh, McCall, because um, we've already uh, done this with uh, the two Jonathans. So they're off the hook. So <laughs> oh, bless. Um, McCall, so what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you? No pressure. (laughs) What significant? Okay. Um, um, I think like, you know, like as far as like music is related, I think something that I haven't completely overcome, but has gotten like significantly better is, you know, I'm somebody who so wants my music to be as perfect, picture perfect as it can be. Um, that, you know, particularly whenever we started, whenever we started the band, I, you know, I would give a lot of direction to, to more about, Hey, this is what I'm envisioning. This is what I'm hearing. And, and I think, you know, there's kind of this general idea of just kind of letting things go, you know, just kind of allowing things to be what they are because I, and that's been something that's really, really tough to work on. And it's particularly tough to apply to my songwriting because I'm kind of isolated, right? I don't have somebody else to kind of bounce an idea off of. But, you know, as the band has, you know, just been together over the course of the year and a half um, or whatever it's been, I think something that I've tried to make a conscious effort about is, is not, you know, directing people so much as to what to do and just allow them to do it. Because I think, I really do think that, you know, if you want to develop into a good artist, you know, you kind of, in a strange way, kind of have to learn to like befriend yourself Mm -hmm. um, and not be so critical. And also, you know, the same thing with others. I think people come up with their best material whenever you just allow them to do what they want to do. Right. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, pushing your baby out of the bird's nest a little bit. Um, and just seeing what's going to happen. And I think there's been, a, it's because it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like a bit of a trust fall whenever it comes to uh, being in a band with these guys. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy with, with the way that things have shaped up. Awesome. Thank That's you. really, really well said. I, I, I would add on to that. The, the feeling of the band kind of being a child, you know, I, I was actually talking with a friend uh, last week and I was like, it is like being married to, you know, like m- multiple people and you're all trying to figure out what to do with this. We're, kid. we're polyamorous, <laughs> just so you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's how we roll. <laughs> that went to a whole bad. new novel. <laughs> maybe maybe I should have really... talked about that instead of the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the 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 simile kind of holds up you know it it, it really is a melding of multiple lives mm-hmm. trying to you know all work together to make this one thing really happen and yeah like these these guys are these guys are my favorite people like they're they're, they're a lot awesome. of pe- they're they're a lot of fun to work yes. with and, and if i can if i can tack one more thing on to my to my response is you know whenever we I learned this very early in a high school band was you need to be very conscientious about who you let into a band with you because so many people want to kind of jump the gun and say, Oh, get me the best guitarist. Give me the best bassist. You know, I want the person who's best at their instrument. And those are, you know, yes, if you want to be in a successful band, you want to find people who are quality musicians. Right. Uh, I think the, the thing that goes so overlooked so so frequently is that people are so fixated on you know finding they think that the key to success with music is finding good musicians right and that's Mm -hmm. that's not why i would even say the majority of that is wrong you know you need to have people who are good musicians but that doesn't mean you have to be the best or even remotely close to it 
because if you want to be a part of a successful project, it, it really boils down to the like the, the interpersonal relationships that you have with those people. Because if you don't get along and if you have drama in your band, um, you're not going to have a band in a year. Um, and, you know, whenever we formed this band, we, more and I sat down and we're like, you know, this, I told him, I was like, this is one of the reasons, like I approached you. I don't want to go to anybody else at my school that I've met, you know, because I, I think you're a good quality person. And I know that we get along, you know, and I know that we will likely be able to have a stable relationship over an extended period of time. Right. Mm. And, and that's why I think it's been very, very difficult for us to find more band members. And we lucked out with McNary. Wasn't sure how well he was going to fit in whenever he got here, but <laughs> he, um, he, he, <laughs> he integrated himself quite seamlessly. And, you know, I, I think it, it shows a lot. Everybody brings something so diverse to the table, um, not just musically, but also business wise, you know, mm -hmm. particularly McNary. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. So you, you just mentioned that McNary brings, were you alluding that McNary brings some business aspect to it? Well, I think he, yeah. So it's really like an interesting interplay between, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a bigger answer than what you're asking for. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh -oh. I know it's so atypical, um, <laughs> but you know, it's interesting to see that, on a music level, right? It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm much more interested in songwriting than I am in, in like, well, I still maintain a lot of interest in like the proficiency of my instrument, but, but songwriting mm -hmm. is really like, that's, that's the driving force. Right. And, you know, you have McNary come in, you know, he's very proficient with his guitar and, you know, he can fill all those things out. Same with Jonathan, you know, I couldn't, I don't have access to nearly as much knowledge as they do about their instruments, you know? And so everybody's bringing something critical to the table that, that makes it as good as it is. And I think that that also parallels us on, you know, on like an interpersonal relationship level and then also just on a, on a band level a business level as well you mm. know like right now as we're as we're going through all of this you know mcnary has been the, the recording process is you know mcnary has really spearheaded a lot of you know organizing every time that we're going to go meet with a producer every time that we need to be somewhere to show up and record the social media side of things you know we're about to enter into the whole copyright phase mm -hmm you know, just distribution and all sorts of stuff like that. I've been working on, I have a background in visual arts, so I've been trying to work on, you know, the art for that, the, the um, advertisement and whatnot. And so, and I know, I know Moore's got a background in um, marketing. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's very, very interesting to see how this, this kind of like this motif of how everybody's bringing something critical to the table, but it, it's kind of transcendent throughout all the different dimensions of what it's like to be in a band. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, McNary, you, is that something like some of those things you've picked up in, did you do any, um, business courses? Are you still at college or are you, you graduated? Yeah, I'm a junior. I'm a junior. Oh, okay. Right I could, yeah, I couldn't remember, but are you, are you taking some business classes as well? Or are you, yeah, so uh, I'm an integrative studies major, which essentially means that I'm triple majoring. Okay. And a very selective part of that is marketing. Mm. Uh, now, what I will say is that pretty much 0% of what I've learned is from college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, that being said, I'm in a music business course well, right I'm now. I'm not a music I'm major. Learning, I, am, I am learning. Yeah, I am learning a lot now. But when I first started having to do this stuff, my whole mentality, whether it's been with music, or whether it's been with really, I mean, anything ever since I got to college, just find people I can learn from. Yeah, That's been the mentality. Uh, and I'll talk about McCall's point of us being, you know, pretty versatile with our instruments and knowing a lot about them. When I first got into this band, I didn't. Like, I figured it out. Uh, these two people were very instrumental in making that happen. Mm. But as far as the business aspect, a lot of it has really just been like knowing people that know stuff and then absorbing it and applying it and testing it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you move on. Like I'll give you an example. I was, I was giving a marketing analysis presentation for my own music business plan in my, in my business course. And 
one of the students reached out, really liked it, and told me about this guy named Adam Ivy, who is a uh, musician slash producer slash you know businessman. Gives amazing marketing advice to upcoming artists. So for people listening to this, Adam Ivy, check him out. Very very helpful. Awesome. He does this thing once a year called Twenty Days of Focus, uh, and essentially what that is is he gives you like five or six different bullet points that you have to do for 20 days on your social media that is geared towards helping you expand and helping you gain an audience. So I started doing that. Uh, I think this is day 12. And I recently got more into it as well. And he's been doing it. I mean, I've grown, I counted yesterday, I think I've grown 140 followers in 12 days. On what so platform? really Instagram specifically. Okay. Uh, I'm very geared on Instagram mm. and making that kind of work. But yeah, I mean, like it really has just been stuff like that and then trying to apply to the band. And we do realistic, I mean, you know, marketing is the hardest part about being in a band, arguably. Writing is hard, but like the difference between an artist that makes music and an artist that makes music a career is marketing. Uh That's just, that's what it is. So as we're kind of ramping up, uh, it's something that we really need to start applying more to, you know, our band. Because, and it's hard because, you know, Jonathan and I are in different projects and we're also we have the mentality of wanting to propel ourselves as well as the band as instrumentalists. So uh, being able to market ourselves as well as the band is a, it's a task because it's a lot, you know, of time, but yeah. So it long story short, I learned from people and, you know, Jonathan has also been very instrumental in helping with the social media and the marketing and all that type of stuff. Now I would say he's probably been doing it more for fiction theories page than I have. Um, So yeah. Awesome. Like I said, it's 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 a group effort. We're all it really is. Yeah, we're it's, it's a family. Mm-hmm. We're all miserable together. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so more. Yeah. I mean, what where, what's your background as far as marketing? Like, how did you get your start in that? And are there any, you know, any any key points that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, for sure. So for the past eight years until the end of March of this year, <laughs> whenever I was unfortunately laid off because of COVID. Um, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> COVID Woo! layoff gang represents. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, I, I had worked uh, the previous eight years um, at uh, a, a local marketing firm here in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind enough to, to let me work there and then um, just kind of, I started on the sales team, so did a lot of phone sales for about a year and a half. And then there was a spot that opened up in the marketing team as a data analyst and a paid search advertiser. So really got a whole lot of, I guess, just kind of behind the scenes information and experience into how advertising works and how targeting works and how you have to know your audience and what that actually means (laughs) and, you know, trying to identify what works and what doesn't and having a mind for, okay, test. Okay. Now look at the results from that test. What are those, what are those results telling you? What do you want to change from there? Yeah. And then from there eventually moved to more of a web development Mm -hmm. um, focus. So building websites and maintaining websites and, that kind of stuff, which uh, has served me tremendously. And now I'm looking on turning that skill set towards musicians and kind of helping helping that particular niche, you know, build websites or build. Um, well pronounced, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, you know, just take, taking that skill set and now turning it from the more white collar marketing world and turning that mm-hmm. more towards music. Um, you know, y- you asked any recommendations or perspectives as, as as I've started turning my gaze more towards the musician and, and focusing more on that is McNary and I have both really worked hard to identify our audience. Yep. Um, yeah. All, all three of us have had multiple discussions, um, but because because McNary and I both are kind of in that more marketing world, we've we've talked a lot about okay, what age range do we want to be shooting for, and then starting to turn that more into okay, what other aspects of this person are we really trying to shoot for? You know, do we do we want someone who's you know really into you know, these different, like these, these kind of secondary audiences and 
trying to get more of a total picture rather than just like, yeah, we want people who are like 18 to 25. That's a good start. Um, but you know, try and try and realize that the, the audience that you are trying to market to are people, they're not demographics. So Mm -hmm. trying to build out that picture of who is this person, who is the persona that we are trying to go for. And there's a whole slew of talks and resources that could be given on, okay, now that you have that, what do you do? But that's, that's a really, really important step. It's a huge reason why we're pushing hard on Instagram and it's because our core audience is on Instagram. We're not yeah. pushing on Facebook. We're not pushing on, you know, these other platforms or anything like that. We're not pushing on TikTok. <laughs> you know, there's there's all these other social medias that we could be trying for, um, but that's that's not what makes sense for us. Whereas some 100%. of those other platforms may work better for your audience. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I feel we get to have to have a separate uh, episode just on and, you know, do a brain dump between you two because, yeah, I'm totally all about that. So to, Love to. Be, awesome. to, to be to be continued there. Um, so let's get jump, jump back to McCall. What major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? Positive experiences. I mean, obviously, me joining—that's that's one. <laughs> that that condescending laugh, Jonathan. I don't need that. I was, was going to say, almost <laughs> caused me to quit. No lie. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Yeah. I, know. I don't. I mean, it's kind of a hard, hard question to answer. Like, I don't. I don't know that I look at like my my motivation to pursue music as as being like heavily influenced by like i guess like events along the way that 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 happened i guess like post initial inspiration to want to be a musician Hmm. i i think that's just something that i don't really um like think about much um i i think so much of the you know the driving forces it just it just feels so like I described it to somebody once as it's like, you know, my, my passion for wanting to be a musician, you know, like, I think that, like, if you, if you look at like the passion to want to be a musician, and then like, you look at the self, like what the actual person is, Mm -hmm. there's like so much enmeshment of those two entities that it's almost kind of like hard to distinguish which is which. And, and I, and and I, I say all of that just to kind of illustrate, it's like, you know, I'm not so concerned with, you know, if people like my music, it's always a nice perk, you know, but, you know, I've come across a lot of people that don't like my music. I've come across a lot of people that do. And, you know, it's just, I think you kind of start asking the question. It's like either direction can kind of like take you to infinity, you know? And it's like, I think you kind of return home at some point and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think at the at the bottom level, it's, it's because it's just it's something that I want to do. I just enjoy creating music. I enjoy telling stories. You know, I would be I would be, you know, much more content at the end of my life having, you know, records of all the music that I ever envisioned writing and nobody's ever heard it versus writing all the music that I didn't want to write. But everybody in the world loves it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Like it, it's, it's never really been a question about, you know, how a positive or a negative experience has like shaped my, or influenced my determination to want to continue to pursue it. It's just kind of always been there. I guess it, it, it's, I guess that like that driving force is neutral towards positive and negative experiences. It, it just wants to keep going. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that that that's a really nice way to end it. I think that's a fantastic answer. Where can people find out the band? Get in touch. Um, I think you you've already got some videos up of some live performances. Is that correct? We've got uh, we've got Ooh, some wait. stuff on our Instagram. We definitely have videos that we could post to a YouTube channel if we ever decide to actually get that up and going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Instagram is going to be the best place to reach us. Um, the band profile is just at Fiction Theory, um, all one word, 
nothing special. It's just fiction and theory. And then personally, my uh, my Instagram is I want more drums and more spelled M O O R E. So I want nice. more drums, you guys. Oh yeah, McCall, you want to plug your Instagram that you never <laughs> logged on to? <laughs> Dude, I don't even know what my Instagram is. That's a good question. I'm gonna find it. Let's see. If anybody is listening to this, please go yeah. and like follow him just so that he actually does something with it. Please. Make McCall famous. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now my personal Instagram is John Mac Music. So J O N M A C Music, all one word. Nice. Finding it. Finding it. Okay. All right. It's McCall Ragland. M C C A U L R A G L A N D. Is there an underscore in there? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nice. McCall Ragland. There what? are zero posts. He has fifteen followers as of this recording. You are gonna love his profile. <laughs> Let me tell you. Please go follow him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having your own name as the you know as your as your handle is actually a pretty pretty, uh, pretty good. So yeah, definitely do something with that. But I will link all those in the show notes. Uh, do you have a website built yet? Or are you not yet? We're okay. working on that. Well, I can I can post that when it's when it's uh, released, and uh, you know in in, awesome. in post. So awesome. And the final final thing to play us out. What song would you like to hear? Whoa! Uh, Any song. Of your own. Oh man. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> was like, and, unless you're so shout out to your shirt. Unless you're planning on doing a Annals as leaders cover. Oh, dude, I have been wanting to get these guys to do something in the technical yeah. world for a long time. I am not good enough for that. All right, fine. Um, I mean, do we do we want to? I mean, we we could send them uh, needle pricks. That's our. Yeah, we'll we'll send you uh, needle pricks. This is actually going to be our our first single, so um, nice. you, yeah, you releasing this may time very well with whenever we're fully releasing it. So absolutely, Spotify everywhere that uh, everywhere that we possibly can get it on. It'll be needle pricks um, as our first single for fiction theory. And awesome. That'll be what you're hearing now. That sounds so cool. And as we're uh, talking about it, what is there a story behind it? What's the what's the idea behind that song? I will before McCall goes into any of the like the the lyrical meaning. I will say this is one of the very few songs that we have written in forty five minutes. Like, yeah, it, McCall came to us with this idea, and we were just like, "Here it is, full idea," and it has barely changed since awesome. its first uh, since its first like actual iteration with the band. So this this kind of holds a, a special place in our hearts as being one of the very few that we just. We're like, this is how it goes. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty fire. Not gonna lie, it's really. Oh good. yeah, no, it's it's pretty. Simple. <laughs> and and I'm gonna I'm gonna counter what Moore just said with, I wrote this song in 40 minutes because I didn't know what it was about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, McCall did not finish the lyrics until we went into the studio. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so yeah, it just kind of had like some words come to me and just it was just. It's a lot of kind of like, I think abstractions kind of is what it, it kind of formed into. Yeah, it was actually whenever I whenever I whenever we were going through our list of songs that we're gonna we're gonna record at the studio, I was like, we can't record this song. I'm like, well, why not? I go because like it it doesn't really like mean anything. And so, but anyways, it wound up getting recorded, and here we are. <laughs> and that was the first single. Yeah, yeah, because that it's song sick. slaps. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Um, yeah, and then it gets deeper and deeper as we release songs. So yeah, it'll have yeah. a lot of meaning. <laughs> All right, fantastic. This has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Really enjoyed it. Want to thank you all for taking the time and uh, yeah, continued success. Absolutely. Thank you sure. very much thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so that other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will all become. A rising tide lifts all ships. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Fiction Theory with Needle Pricks. Needle bricks
in my fingertips Empty bottles I've gone to throttle I've opened up my eyes For the first time in a while Now I've come to realize I was blinded by the bottle And I know, I know, I know Needle bricks In my fingertips Hands are shaking My body's aching Yeah. 